Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, when we started kicking around the idea for this episode, which is all about balance, I have to admit, whenever somebody asks me about the podcast, they'll ask, what is the name of your podcast? And I always say something like, okay, the name is too long. And then they say, the name of your podcast is the name is too long. I'm like, no, the name of our podcast is Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life. So first of all, just a really bad habit I need to get out of because it always elicits the exact same response. But you know, it's interesting when we were thinking about balance, the reason the name is so long is every part of it, I think, has a specific meaning for us. And the idea of flowing east and west was really important to us for so many reasons. You were raised on the west coast and now you live on the east. I lived on the east coast and now I'm back here on the west coast. Western philosophy, eastern philosophy, we're kind of open to whoever you know answers the phone when there's a need. But it really speaks to balance as well. It does. And one of the things I love so much about flowing which, okay, I'm just going to say, since my company is Flow Dynamics, I have an affinity for this word, is I always think about ebb and flow as well. Ebb and flow is a way the planet stays in balance, but it's also a form of balance, right? If we lived in life with all ebb or all flow, we'd either be completely overwhelmed or living in scarcity. And so I think the flowing East and West piece absolutely speaks to balance in a way. It's not the only thing it means. And the perfectly imperfect journey has different, but also balanced connotations because it's this idea perfectly and imperfect is another way that you can't have all of either. That's right. There's always a push and a pull and a give and a take. And I really think that's one of the things about balance. And it's one of the things that I think sometimes we get wrong about balance. Like often when we are reading about balance or talking about it, it's as if there's a destination called balance. And the fact is, is sorry folks, but there is no destination. It is all about the journey, right? In my mind, sometimes balance looks one way on one day or in one hour or in one whatever amount of time. And then sometimes balance looks completely different in the next moment, the next hour, the next whatever. And so to you, Sherry, what does balance mean to you? I think, first of all, just to reiterate, balance looks different to everybody. So for me personally, I know I am moving towards balance. And let me just interrupt myself here and say, very rarely are we in balance. We're always moving towards or away from balance, which is a little bit the ebb and flow thing, right? There's like this very brief moment. And so for me, I know I am living from a place of balance, I'll just say it that way, when I feel really good about the choices I'm making and I feel really good about the trade-offs I'm making. And that is what balance means for me. I think that makes sense. I think a little bit about homeostasis, right? And sorry to my science teachers in high school, it wasn't my favorite subject, but when you think about when I Googled, what is that homeostasis thing again? It's all about how all organisms are seeking some sort of internal balance. The fact is, is that it's not static. I mean, even if you just stand with two feet on the floor and you're telling yourself not to consciously move, even if it's teeny tiny little 
sway, a little counterbalance, you know, to your feet, trying to, you know, with the gravitational pull of the earth, you know, just making sure that you continue to stand, you're never fully static. And I really think of balance in my own life in the same way. I'd love to say, man, I have it dialed in and I'm always feeling so good and in balance. But the fact is, is it's always something I have to remember for myself. I have to focus on, I have to think about. It doesn't just happen by mistake. I have to really be committed to staying focused on being in balance or I get really unbalanced at times. Well, I think what we're both saying using just some different words is that balance is something you have to make a conscious commitment to. And then it is an, I'm going to use our, one of our favorite words, practice. It's an ongoing practice because it's an ongoing series of choices. When we were having our little brief moment tripping down science lane, as we were working on this, I think you Googled what is the opposite of homeostasis. And we're going to leave out the science words, but it was chaotic and out of balance and disorder. I think this is a way most of us know when we are out of balance. It feels chaotic. It feels like things are a mess. Yeah, I can totally relate because there's times in my life when, like literally right now, we are recording this at the end of September and I have just come off of six weeks of nonstop travel. Now, some of it was fun. One of it was a retreat. One part of it, I was in Mexico. It's not like this was difficult. It's just that I got really unbalanced in terms of what's going on at home, what's going on with my dog, what's going on in my business, all of that. I had gone far more into the travel mode, some for work and some for fun, but I became unbalanced in keeping up with my workouts. Certainly playing tennis went away and you know how much I love that. This morning I sat down and and did some meditation for like the first time in forever. And I just realized how out of sync with myself I had become because I had been sort of thrown into the chaos that travel, even when it's fun, can bring. So I know, Sherry, you used to teach a workshop called The Art of Balance. I know how much you loved that and how much people got out of it. I'm curious, are there any tidbits that you can share from that workshop about what is balance or what isn't balance even? I want to say the subtitle on that was Creating Sustainable Success in Life and Work. The word sustainable was so key in that because I really believe that when we don't have clarity for ourselves on what does balance look like, it's not sustainable. And it's going to affect your personal life. It's going to affect your work life. And so it's really about sustainability. And I would always start that workshop with four myths about balance, because I think it helps really lay the groundwork and just bust some kind of conventional wisdom. I'm just going to run through them really quick. Myth number one is that balance is only about boundaries and the way you allocate your time. And boundaries are part of it, right? Boundaries are 100% part of it. And allocating your time is part of it. I think there can be a tendency for some of us to get hooked on, oh, I don't have balance because I don't have better boundaries right? Or I've got to get more organized. I've got to allocate my time better. I got to get more productive. And that's only a piece of it. Second myth is that balance is consistency day to day, week to week. And it's really a much more macro concept. Yeah. Especially like the consistency is interesting because that sort of assumes that we can completely control the external world, which we cannot, right? Like we cannot hundred percent control all of the things outside of our world. Right. And I will say for some people that are 
oriented in a very regimented, process-oriented way, that can be very grounding and foundational for them. For other people, their life isn't going to look like that, right? So again, it can be part of it, but it isn't necessarily how you get balance. The third myth, which I never know which one of these is my favorite. So today I'm going to say myth number three is my favorite, is that there is a right way to do balance and there is a magic formula to making it happen. And that is complete and total bullshit. Well, I wish it were true because then you could probably make gazillions of dollars and we would all be in much happier places. <laughs> and then my life would be perfectly balanced. There right? you go. <laughs> and myth number four is that you can't have balance until you have more time. I'll be balanced when... I'll be balanced when. And again, sometimes it is about something's got to go, right? I'm trying to cram too much into my 24 hours, seven days a week, 12 months a year. But a lot of times it's really about, I need to be making some different choices. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. For the longest time I I worked in HR and I think about how often we talked about work-life balance And I know you and I had a little discussion about, is that the right term? You know, for a while, this idea of work-life integration, which I cannot stand that. And I know you feel a little bit differently, so we can talk about that. One of the reasons I still like work-life balance, or actually, I'm going to give away the lead here because you had an even better way to talk about how you balance the various things in your life. And that's just plain old life balance. Work-life balance almost assumes like a 50-50 split work 50% and quote life 50%. Work is actually part of life in so many ways. And sometimes work is 50, sometimes it might be more, and sometimes hopefully, often it's less. And so why I did not like integration is it just felt like, again, too limiting and too much like work invades all parts of your life. And I know when I personally worked from home, for instance, for a couple different big companies, there was so much bleed over constantly. And so, yes, I could like do a load of laundry or unload the dishwasher or put myself on mute and I don't know, play with the dog or something. But to me, that's not necessarily balance. That's more like productivity and getting stuff done. You know what was really bad, Sherry, is at the beginning of the pandemic, we were all working from home and we're all trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And I don't mean to call out my European colleagues at all, but all of a sudden it became kind of like normal to have everyday 7 a.m. meetings. And then my Asia Pac colleagues were like, well, you're just home. You can't go anywhere. So can you take this 8.30 or 9 p.m. call and talk about not 50-50? I mean, all of a sudden I was working all the time. I know you ended up adopting life balance, right? What does that mean to you? I did. So I want to just go back for a second and say your reaction to work-life integration is such a good example of sometimes words are just triggers. And when a word is a trigger, you just shouldn't use it. It's so much easier to find a new word than to try to like understand why you're triggered by a word, right? And so I moved away from work-life balance for somewhat different reasons than you described. I didn't like it because it felt like work comes first and everything else has to be fit around work. So then I moved to work-life integration, and it's really thinking about how you want to fit the different pieces of your life together. So it just had a different emotional tone than it had for you. But ultimately, I abandoned all of that because I came to realize, actually, it's really about how we're balancing the different pieces of our life. And work is one piece of it, right? It might be a big piece. It might be a little piece, but it's only one piece. And what we're really trying to balance is our life. And so, yeah, I just ultimately landed on 
the most straightforward, simplest way of talking about it, which was life balance. I like that. And I think that it really leads to looking at all aspects of your life. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, but we have a couple tools for people that will sort of help them. It's interesting because I also think that there are times when you almost might feel like you're in balance in some way, but it's because you're operating at such either a high level or such a low level that you almost can't see the forest for the trees. And I was thinking about this as I was prepping for this episode. And I distinctly remember working for a company, you know, when I was still living there in North Carolina, we had a big, huge event. And it was something they had never done before. And I kind of pushed for it. It was a, it was really a leadership development event. And I got the thumbs up, but I really didn't get much budget. And so it was all on me to sort of scrape together how we did this. And I worked my off trying to pull it together and make it a great event. And I just remember operating at a super, super high level, but all I was doing was getting this event kind of off the ground and letting it fly. So at the time I felt good. I mean, I loved what we did. We had this great offering for people and it didn't feel like I was out of balance at the time because it was doing stuff I really enjoyed. And I felt like I was making a difference, which is something that's personally really important to me. But I remember I came home from that. We had been out of town for the event. And I came back, I was living in Raleigh. It was a Friday late afternoon. That was the exact moment that I decided it was time to paint my bedroom. It was that moment. Like we need to do this now. And the reason I bring that story up is I think it's so important to tap into our true kind of emotions and our true feelings about what's going on, because I didn't do that. It was like I was a train flying down the tracks. I just didn't stop. It was almost like an adrenaline junkie. Like I needed to keep going and do the next big project. And then the headline of all this is, once I got the damn bedroom painted, I flipped and collapsed. And I think I was sick for a week, right? Because my body was like, time out, back to homeostasis. Right. It's such an important point, which is... When we're out of balance, it can start to feel like a normal state. Yeah. It just feels normal. And it just feels like this is the way I move through the world. And one of the things I used to do in the Art of Balance workshop was I would ask people how they knew they were out of balance, right? And people would just popcorn their answers. It was just always really interesting because people would say things like, I get cranky. I get short-tempered. I eat too much chocolate. I drink too much wine. I can't really concentrate. All these different ways they would know they were out of balance. And what was just always so striking was you'd look at that and it would be like, okay, the thing is, not only is it in your best interest to be in balance, it's not in anyone's best interest, but nobody else is going to make it easy for you. And not because they're mean people or they're selfish people or they want you to be tortured. It comes back to this, everybody's dealing with their own stuff and we have to take responsibility for our own balance. That's right. And it's interesting because sometimes balance can feel, well, that's a little selfish or doesn't that mean I'm putting myself before others or taking a time out in some ways? We could probably talk about this topic all day because there's so many studies about how important balance is for mental health and for physical health and, and for lots of other things. But the fact of what you just said is so true as well, 
Like I was married at the time and my husband looked at me like I was flipping crazy. Like, what are you doing? We're not going to start an entire project. By the way, I have to sleep in that room tonight, you know, on a Friday late afternoon, especially when you're coming off of this crazy thing that you had done. And so balance is not selfish. I distinctly remember I was talking about the same topic at a company I used to work for. And the fact is, is that companies are set up to get as much productivity out of you as they possibly can. And I remember standing in front of this group of people and I said, I hate to admit it folks, but if you give us your time, we're going to take it. It's not like there's a benevolent somebody out there that says, oh, honey, you look like maybe you could use a little more balance in your life. No, the purpose of work is work, right? If you offer, they will take. And so it is up to us as individuals to sort of establish what makes sense for us. Well, and I think what you're saying that is really critically important is you are a kind and empathetic and caring leader. You're not a leader who is like, oh, these people are here just to serve me and let me crush their souls and let me squeeze everything out of them that they that I can possibly squeeze out of them. And so even for a leader who is caring and compassionate and wants their team and wants their workforce to be healthy and happy, it's still not your job to make sure that everybody is taking care of themselves. That's right. And so given the fact that we said it's not automatic and nobody's going to do it for us, we really do need to bring some consciousness and mindfulness to it. And so for folks that are listening, again, sometimes I say this and I'm about to say it again, like I'm just going to pull the curtain back a little bit. I came rushing in to record this from a tennis match and Sherry came kind of running in from her own workout and dealing with her dogs and everything. And we almost just launched right into this podcast, but instead we chose to pause for 30 seconds and take three deep breaths together so that we could both arrive and both feel grounded. Now, that doesn't work for everybody, although I'd suggest you should try if you haven't, because I think it could work, but maybe that's not your thing. What I'm suggesting is whatever your thing is, whatever the thing that allows you to get present and to really tap into what's going on for you, that's a really good first step toward figuring out how am I doing on whatever my scale of balance looks like? So just that pausing and reflecting for a moment. Well, and it speaks to balance isn't just structural, it's how you feel. If you're trying to do way, way, way too much in your life, breathing isn't necessarily going to by itself bring you balance. And I usually talk about balance as having a sense of balance, actually, because it takes it away from a noun and moves it more to it's a feeling. The beauty of you having suggested we pause, it goes back to what we were saying the opposite of homeostasis is, chaotic and disordered. And I mean, I'm sure we would have pulled off the episode just fine, but we would have felt a little chaotic. We would not have necessarily felt quite so grounded and balanced. That's right. So we're suggesting that that first step is just to pause and reflect, do a little feeling, do a little sensing. For those of you that are into yoga, maybe you've been in a class before where the instructor invites you to, is there something you could relax in your face? Is there something you can relax in your shoulders and your arms and your fingers, et cetera? And that's a really good tool just to pause and reflect. And then the second step here that I'm thinking of, you've already named it, is to really tap into your emotions. What are those things that you are feeling right now? And 
I don't know that either one of us came into the recording of this episode super stressed, but it was more just like in a more heightened sense than we like to do these in, in kind of a little more calm sort of way. And so pausing and then tapping into those emotions. And then I think what comes next is once you've done that is to think about the various parts of your life, pause, pay attention to your emotions, consider, prioritize what's important to me. You know, if I think back to that, the painting the bedroom thing, maybe I wouldn't have gotten sick if I had just kind of come home and allowed myself to sort of gently come down from the adrenaline, from the hyperness of what I had been doing. I, who knows? Hindsight is sometimes not twenty twenty, but having that few moments of reflection to consider where you are in your life can really, really help you. And then finally, there's going to have to be some trade-offs. You told me a great quote once that one of your clients told you about having it all. Oh yeah, it was it was fabulous. She made the comment early on in our work, I really believe I can have everything. I just can't have it all at the same time. So here are the things I have decided to have right now. And it was really fabulous, right? Because it was things like, you know, really being focused on my job. She was in academia, spending time with my son and my husband and taking care of my physical body. Yeah. And there's probably another list of 10 things that she wanted at some point. She just couldn't have it right that second. Absolutely. She couldn't have it right now, right? It was like, these are the three things that are most important to me. And these other things that I would like to have, I'm recognizing I will have them later. And just her being really deliberate in saying, I'm putting these things on the back burner. I'm not going to stress myself out with, oh, I'm so out of balance because I don't have these other three things too was so impressive to me. That's the prioritization, right? Like I've got 15 things that I want. I just can't have it all at once. You know, I think about my own journey and as I've talked about on other episodes, I, I left kind of quote corporate to start my own thing and do some consulting. And at some point in my life and my career, it made all the sense in the world and I could feel imbalanced by going hard and having those early meetings and whatever. And then there became a time in my life where it just didn't make sense anymore. And, and who knows, the pendulum might swing another direction at some point. But for right now, balance for me or my seeking, moving towards balance is, is more about, like I said, it was noon and I was walking in from playing tennis, right? Like you don't get to do that when you have a more corporate type of job. And so, but it's trade-off. I also don't have a paycheck. But Sherry, I know you have done so much work around this and you have a really great tool that you not only use for your clients, but I know you use for yourself, you and your husband. So can you tell us a little bit about the balance wheel and how our listeners might use it? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, it's not my proprietary wheel. A lot of coaches and therapists and other people use it. In fact, we're going to put it up on our own site and give people access. It'll be in the show notes that they can get to a copy of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Anne and I would both encourage you to download it and play with it. And so if you just visualize a wheel with a number of pie slices, and they're fairly generic categories on the major parts of life, you use the wheel to identify how satisfied are you with these different areas of your life. And there are things like career, physical environment, financial, fun, personal growth, mental health, right? Romance and intimacy, friends and family. And I encourage all my clients, like change the names to whatever makes sense for your life. But it's a really great way to go through and just for yourself say, how satisfied am I with this part of my life? And it's not a representation of how much of it do you have in your life? So if fun and recreation is totally unimportant to you, then you draw your line all the way out on the perimeter of the wheel, right? 
if career is super important to you and you're not very satisfied, then you draw it a little bit lower. And the idea is to see how bumpy a ride is your wheel going to give you. What I love about what you just said is that it's also not static, right? And so if fun and recreation isn't super important to you right now, it's not going to hold the same weight as one of the other categories. Even your evaluation of both where you are and how important it is to you also isn't static, right? Like you and Warren, you do this together, right? We do. So we do it every few years now. We used to do it once a year. And the reason we started doing it together was to see, were we equally as satisfied with these different parts of our life? It was a great way to then, if one of us was super satisfied with one part and the other wasn't, to talk about. And so for us, it was a fabulous communication tool as well. And we started doing it before he was retired. But once he retired, we changed career to capacity utilization, which is a phrase I took from one of my clients who was like, for me, it's not so much career. It's am I using my capacity, my financial capacity, my mental capacity? It's beautiful, right? And so it's been a great tool for us to have these very conscious conversation about our life together by looking at our individual lives and then how they mesh together. I love it. And looking at it together, I think that's really such a beautiful way to use it. Yeah. And so it's a very simple tool. It isn't always simple to do it the first time because if you've never done something like this, it can require a little bit of introspection and thought of like, ooh, like I haven't really been willing to admit this yet. But there we go back to the pause and reflect, the four steps that we talked about, the pause and reflect. And I really appreciate the nuance that you made here is not how much of this do I have in my life, but how satisfied am I given how much I want to have in my life. And I think that's really important. It goes back to the comment from my client, I believe I can have everything, just not all at the same time. And so those things that she has intentionally backburnered, she's very satisfied, even if it's not presently in her life. So just to reiterate, this is a tool that if you look in the show notes, you'll find a link to it there. And we encourage you to download it and play with it for yourself. So Sherry, I think the way to kind of wrap this all up today is a couple quotes that I found that I just, I think speaks to this idea of balance so much. And one of them is from Jana Kingsford. And she says that balance is not something you find. It is something that you create. And I think that goes to what we were saying earlier about it's not a destination like, boop, I'm here. My plane has landed and I have arrived and I'm now at balance. It is something that we create and it's not static. Just as much consciousness as we bring to anything else, we have to bring that amount of consciousness to the balance that we're seeking. And the second one, just because it's kind of fun and I was taking flying lessons for a while, I just thought it was so cute. Michael Altschuler, and he says, the bad news is that time flies and the good news is you're the pilot. So with that, I'm going to say you all are in charge and we really encourage you to identify and seek out balance in your own life. I love both of those quotes. And that wraps up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or post it to your own social media. Check out the show notes. There's a link in them to download the balance wheel. And we encourage all of you to take a pass through it. And please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.